Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Roberto Carlos. Toca por dentro. Aparece Ronaldo. Amaga el primer The year is 1999. Real Madrid are at war. Legendary striker Raul brands the dressing room a cesspit of lies, treachery and whispers. How to silence the Bernabeu in one fell swoop! Something has to change. From murderous hitmen to pig's heads on the pitch, this is the story of the Galacticos. My name is Jack Rivlin. Welcome back to the Upshot Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Zachary Sweeney Lynch. Hello. Hello, mate. Welcome back. And we're joined by a returning guest, Mr. Jack Collins. Yeah, I'm very excited to be back. Thanks for having me, boys. Delighted to have you. Some of you may remember Jack from the Icardis episode, Keeping Up with the Icardashians. A real real favourite in in this parish. Jack's also the host of Ranks FC, which is an excellent European football podcast. So if this wets your whistle, then dive right in. Appreciate it. Lads, we're talking about Real Madrid here, which is obviously one of the great romantic clubs of European football. Um, I, w- I would argue villains in my eyes. Is that a fair reputation? They're sort of a bit evil? Yeah, I think so. So the Real Madrid that I grew up with was the Galacticos era. And yeah, I think they did have that team that you love to hate image just because because of what they were. They were just spending ridiculous sums of money, poaching all of the best players from other teams. And yeah, they were, they were kind of the big bad wolf of European football, I think. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that's the exact term is the big bad wolf. There's nothing in, inherently like sort of malicious about it. It's more kind of everyone is lonely at the top, right? And Real Madrid are the biggest brand, I think, in, in world football and probably the biggest club, at least very in, the, in that top three bracket the most recognisable shirt in the world, the most recognisable kit. They've had eras on eras of this as well. So it's not just, you know, some people teams have one great era and you call back of it. Every time they seem to be going on a downward slide, something arrests it and they go straight back up to the top. And even when things weren't going well, they won three Champions Leagues in a row. You're like, <laughs> hang on, this isn't fair on anybody else. How does this keep happening? And they are right bastards on the pitch, aren't they? I mean, <laughs> obviously, Sergio Ramos immediately comes to mind just... Pepe. Yeah, Pepe. Yeah. Some horrendous fouls and just always kind of getting away with it. The the Real Madrid in the late 90s, though, is a, is a pretty different club to the one we yeah. know now. So the, the club has not won a Champions League since the 60s in the late 90s. There's a lot of debt. The stadium's falling apart. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a 
very happy picture. They've had to flog some big names to um, balance the books. They've had to flog Davil Shuker, Clarence Seydorf, some some big, big names. And although they do win a Champions League in 98, there's still this kind of sense around the club that, you know, they've failed to recapture their former glory and, you know, people are nervous for the future. That's the sort of setting for this. And in fact, things get worse uh, in 98. Nine when they appoint John Toshak as manager. <laughs> it's that European sounds, super club. It sounds more rogue than it actually was. <laughs> Toshak was actually a very good manager. Yeah, John, John Toshak was was a very good manager, and he'd managed Real before. Yeah, and done all right. He'd won the league, but you know, I obviously it's tempting to say any kind of British name doesn't feel quite like it matches the Real brand. But there's there's definitely a sense at the time that like, is this all we can manage? Yeah. So he so Toshak comes back. They're like sixth in the league. It's really not what. Madridistas would expect and he has this really weird habit of translating English metaphors into Spanish in don't press conferences yeah. which don't translate at all <laughs> so like there's, there's a famous one where he says in Spanish we were like chickens with our heads cut off and the ball was a hot potato and all, all the Spanish press are just like what are you on about come again yeah. <laughs> anyway so it, it's not working well for John Toshak and then he he makes the cardinal sin of criticising his players and the club order him to apologise, and he says in Spanish, "There's more chance of a pig flying over the Bernabeu." So I, again, I think they're like, "What, what do you mean a pig he's flying?" Referencing, he's <laughs> referencing Pink Floyd album covers. No, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. <laughs> anyway, this chaos leads to a dressing room mutiny, which is where the Raúl quote I opened the podcast comes from, where he says it's a cesspit of lies, treachery, and whispers. And then he says, "I feel sorry for new players like Steve McManaman coming into the club." <laughs> If McManaman thinks he's coming to the world's top clubs, then he has made a big mistake because poor old Steve McManaman has just entered this dressing room. Yeah. And and by the way, it's worth mentioning here. Steve McManaman now is known as a slightly unpopular pundit or um, what's the word? Summarizer on BT Sport. He was a serious player. Yeah, really, really good footballer. A, really good footballer. A wizard with the dribbling. Um, anyway, so so he he's popped in. Toshak eventually gets, gets the heave-ho. And they bring in Vicente Del Bosque, who's club legend. People are like, okay, thank God we got rid of that Welsh bloke who keeps talking about hot potatoes. <laughs> and, um, and this begins a turnaround in Real Madrid's fortunes. They win the Champions League that season. McManaman's first season, he, he lifts the Champions League. So his move's immediately vindicated. Yeah, And that sets the scene for a, a pretty thrilling power struggle. Real Madrid is run by a president who's elected by a board. And in 2000, elections come up. And a new candidate enters the fray, Florentino Perez, who people may have heard of. He's actually still the president of Real Madrid. He's, he's come and gone a few times. He's a sort of shrewd, tough-talking outsider with a real lust for power. He's very, very ambitious. But he's not the favourite candidate to win. Uh, everyone's expecting the incumbents to, to stay there. So Perez needs a really creative way to get himself elected yeah. to take over Real Madrid. And he has this vision, which it's the subject of this podcast of signing these big, big names. And he decides who better to start with than Luis Figo. Luis Figo is Barcelona's star player. He's, he's going to win the Ballon d'Or that season. So, you know, there's a strong case to say he's the best and player. And captain as well. That's a really kind of crucial point to this. He is, he is the Barcelona captain. Yeah. And he's, and he's Mr. Barcelona, right? He dyes his hair red and blue. He like mocks Real Madrid. Yeah, he sings about Real Madrid at a, a title parade for, for Barcelona. That he, you know, he is the, the heart and soul of Catalonia at this point, despite being a Portuguese man. Yeah. He is very much Catalan by all intents and purposes 
is the symbol of this Barcelona team. That promise to sign Figo was the first sign of him being like, uh-uh, we ain't content to play second fiddle anymore. We're not content to even win Champions Leagues. We want to dominate the world scene. We want every mm. brilliant player in the world to demand to play for Real Madrid. And that's what gets the fans on side. And he caps it off with this brilliant scheme. And, and you know, obviously, if you know Florentino Perez, he's, he's one of the architects of the Super League. You can really understand how this might have come from him because this is a a serious, uh, serious little scheme he pulls a off. Slippery character. I mean, it's mm. bloody impressive. So, as we said, Figo is Barcelona's poster boy star and arguably the best player in the world. But he has this release clause, this forty million euro release clause, and uh, Perez also knows that Figo is Figo, and crucially, Figo's agent are unhappy with the amount of money he's receiving at Barcelona, who've you know got their own cash flow issues. So he goes to Figo and he cuts him a grubby deal. He says to him, look, I'm a complete outsider for the presidency. Um, I probably won't win, but I want to do a deal with you that says, if I do win the presidency of Real Madrid, you have to sign for the club. Otherwise, you have to pay this enormous penalty of 30 million euros. You know, ridiculous. Obviously, the question is, why would Luis Figo ever (laughs) sign that deal? What's what's in it for him? Um, The this is answered. There's a really brilliant documentary on the Figo thing. I think it's on Netflix and it's, it just sort of goes into it and it doesn't really, it never really answers the question, but it's very strongly hinted that suggested that his agent basically signed the deal on his yeah. behalf mm. because he got a 10 million euro fee or whatever it was in Pesetas at the time, <laughs> basically for, for yeah. making this happen. And it's all it's all very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable viewing. You're like, I don't know who to believe about any of this. Yeah. Apart from I know I don't believe Florentino Perez. So was that that was it. it was an upfront payment that the agent received when they agreed this deal, yeah. or was it that he would he'd received the payment whether or not the, Perez the, the, the won? version the version I've read is that Figo got given one and a half million, which frankly was not enough for what happened yeah. next, <laughs> and presumably the agent got. A, even bigger slice. A slice of the pie is yeah. probably how I would suggest it. So basically, some, if I said to you, look, I'm going to run to be the editor of The Athletic and I'll give, I'll give, you, <laughs> I'll give you a grand if I get it, but Done. you have Done. to come with me if, if <laughs> I actually do. Sorry, I'll give you a grand regardless. <laughs> and if I go, you have to come with me. Yeah, exactly. Deal. I guess it's a bit like that. It seems so pie in the sky, but I also think Figo's clearly a bit frustrated about his money and he must be thinking maybe I'll go. Anyway... We know what happens next. The unthinkable happens for Luis Figo and Florentino Perez, having told the board, I've got a deal that can get us Figo, wins the election, romps to power, mm. and Figo has to come with him. Apparently, Luis Figo just disappears to Sardinia with his family and like doesn't want to even talk about it. Yeah, he, go- he goes absolutely really? under, the, under the radar yeah. for about two months. And everyone's like, what's happening? What's happening? The weirdest bit about this, though, is that when he does sign, he, he also does a billboard with a Spanish bank and the billboard says sometimes it's him in a Real Madrid kit and it just says sometimes changes for the better. And it's like, <laughs> no, no, don't do that. So did everyone know at that point that he was going to go already, to Real Madrid? No, he'd already signed at that point. Oh, but okay. it was like, when he, when he disappeared or oh, when he, when he disappeared, I think everyone was just like, Oh my God, what's going on? Okay. It, 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 it wasn't such obviously an age of social media. And so it was kind of wait, wait for the papers and, the Madrid papers, and this is the thing. So in Spanish football culture, the Madrid papers and the Barcelona papers are pretty much at war. Like they, they just report different things. And so if you were in Madrid and you were reading the papers in Madrid, you would believe that he was a hundred percent locked down on his way coming. 
you're reading the papers in Barcelona, they're like, he's not going anywhere. I don't know why everyone's so worried. You know, it's, it's like, who's this random Perez fella? It's well funny. We're better than Real Madrid at the moment. Let's all laugh at them. And then it all comes crashing down. But do they basically one day turn on the telly and he's in a Real Madrid shirt basically, doing yeah. kick-ups at the yeah. Bernabeu? Yeah, literally that. <laughs> it, always, it always makes me laugh how partisan and how hysterical Spanish football coverage is. There was this episode of Los Cheranguitos where Real Madrid had lost, I think, a Champions League game. And they just did a three minute montage of Guti, former Real Madrid player, looking sad. <laughs> just, like, just him sitting in the TV studio, just like shaking his head. Yeah, really, just... really ominous music yeah. and lighting. Yeah, I love that program. It is chaos. It is that is pure chaos. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that gives a sense of how partisan everyone is about this. Yeah. And Figo makes the move. It is a world record transfer fee that Barcelona get because it's his release clause. But still, it's like the biggest possible punch and the biggest possible statement, as you said, for Real Madrid and this new era, the Galactico era. And that becomes Perez's calling card. Every summer, we are going to sign a massive name. There are some more dirty tricks afoot in order to land Claude Makélélé. So Claude Makélélé is playing for Celta Vigo at this point and is looking like a, a star. Real Madrid decide they want him. They start putting bids in and Celta Vigo are like, no, 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 not for sale. And McAuley obviously wants to force the transfer. So he starts refusing to train all the usual sort of ugly stuff. And it's still not working. So he then pulls the ugliest trick of all with his agent. They trash his car with rocks. They like destroy his car. And then they file a police report. They go to the police and say like, we've been attacked by fans. Claude's not safe here anymore. We need to get him out of, out of, uh, where is Celta Vigo? It's in, uh, it's in Vigo in Galicia. Right. Galicia. Uh, and so, so they force the transfer and he ends up leaving for 14 million, which is cut price, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's more, it's, it's worth more than it sounds now, but it's still a big fee at the time, but it's not, you know, considering what the, the Figo deal was, it's what, like a third of that. Mm-hmm. I suppose maybe that's about fair. Defensive midfielders have never yeah. been quite as sexy mm-hmm. as, as cool wingers who are about to win the Ballon d'Or. But mm. yeah, they, it, it still feels like a, a bit of a discount. And I think Celta Vigo feel doubly pissed off when his agent eventually laughs about the scheme in the press. Yeah. Also, is that not like a crime? They yeah, went to the sure police. <laughs> I, I'm sure it is, but equally, I think that there's plenty that people get away with when you have that much yeah. money. <laughs> and I think, again, like this is a great era for when agents got up to all sorts of dirty tricks. Mm. You there's know, a podcast in that. Yeah, there really is. <laughs> we'll have you back for that. <laughs> but they get Macalalian. So, so Perez is assembling his Galacticos at this point, right? Yeah, and it and it goes well to begin with. So that first season of the Galactico era, 2000-2001, uh, Real Madrid win La Liga for the first time for four years. Um, they're 17 points ahead of, of Barcelona. Yeah. And yeah, so it looks like it's going great, but they, they really don't sleep. So that summer, they signed Zinedine Zidane from Juventus for... Uh, 77.5 million euros. That was a world world record fee. They broke the world record fee like four times in a row. But was that not the record for what, until Ronaldo? That seems high. I mean, 77.5 million euros. That's that's a lot in today's money, but you can imagine in 2001, that was like mind-blowing sums. So that that is mad money, but probably you'd say worth every penny considering they got Zidane. But my, my question is, I thought they were broke. Like, have they not just got a few grubby pesetas down the back of the Bernabeu sofa? How are they suddenly buying all these players for that much money? Are they borrowing? They're borrowing. Yeah, they're borrowing incredibly heavily, but also they're, you know, reinvesting, reaping the rewards of the success that they're suddenly having because the tendencies go through the roof. Mm. Uh, Obviously, people are coming in to pay 
for to, to to pay to watch these players. And so it comes back in in some way. Now, obviously, it doesn't offset that amount, but basically there are deals that, and we've we've seen it even recently with Barcelona and the levers and the financial elements that they're pulling. This is an era of kind of unrestricted spending in 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 football in some ways. Now, obviously, the spending is less than what it is now, but there are far less financial constraints on clubs to meet. And, and Real Madrid are an institution, so banks will bankroll them and they will go, okay, fine. We, we know we'll get that money back. So it just sort of keeps ticking mm-hmm. over for the time being. And it does start paying off on the pitch as yeah. well, having having these fantastic players. So that, that season, Zidane's first season, 2001, Real Madrid win the Champions League, 2001-2002. Real Madrid win the Champions League and Zidane scores that that iconic goal against Bayer Leverkusen the volley good ball for Roberto Carlos hooked into the penalty area towards Zidane fantastic Real Madrid come alive with a breathtaking goal scored by Zinedine Zidane and uh, Real Madrid are kind of creating a new style of running a club here right of just like spending big Mm, yeah I mean it's a model that has kind of been replicated a bit by PSG now to the Galactiques. To, is that yeah. what they're called? <laughs> uh, to I don't know. Can you call it a success with PSG? No, definitely not. Really. not. I mean, they 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 walk the French league most seasons, but depends because actually the model was designed not just to bring success on the pitch, but to make Real Madrid the biggest brand in the world. Mm. And you'd argue that PSG. You walk around ten years ago when you're walking around. Would you ever see a kid in a PSG kit? No, now that's true. how many do you see? Mm. And now how many people do you see wandering around in PSG merch? And the like that grime song. Well, <laughs> Tiago <Silver. laughs> yeah, maybe, potentially, yeah. But um, I, I think that PSG have achieved what they want to do off the pitch. They just haven't quite got there on there. And weirdly, they're having their own retract moment. I'm sure you know yeah. we'll come on to it, but they're having their own, okay, let's scale back. Let's go a little bit more local mm. moment. And so, you know, we talked about the fact that it was Zidane or one big signing every summer. The model was supposed to be called, you know, and coined by Perez, Zidane Zipavons, which was basically, you know, one major superstar every summer mm. and then a sporadic coming through of young players. And it comes from a player called Paco Pavon, mm. who was a young academy player who basically Perez had just promoted to the first team and thought, you know, this was it. It was about not only bringing in the absolute star-studded best, sprinkling them with the best of the local talent as well yeah the problem was that the local talent very rarely made it through now there are a couple obviously raul and then uh Ica Casillas, yeah. but generally they actually weren't very good at bringing yeah. through the pavons mm. which basically meant that this ended up being a, a, an era of just unprecedented spending that eventually yeah. came crashing down yeah i was gonna i was gonna come on to a couple of the the homegrown heroes actually you mentioned Ica Casillas, who became a absolute real Real Madrid icon for the next decade or more. Um, and that early seasons, 2000, 2001, he, he broke into the first team. He came off the bench in that Champions League final. Did he? Weird moment. Really? Oh, yeah. Why injury? I think the keeper got injured, Cesar. Mm. Um, mm. And they, they brought Casillas off the bench. I think he was about 19 years old. Oh, okay. In the Champions League final. <laughs> and he was like, right, I'm having that shirt now. No <laughs> You're done. You're done out here. Funny thing about Casillas is that in this whole environment of sort of frivolous spending, um, he had a reputation among his teammates as the stingy one. So they they, they had a nickname for him, Tacano, 
which which means this the stingy one or stingy i think and they they also said he has he has crocodiles in his pockets such a good <laughs> such a good line was it never puts his hand in. yeah yeah, yeah. Sorry for never his pocket. <laughs> um there's a fantastic story from um fernando hierro who was the real madrid captain um that they'd been out i think on a on a team dinner or something and hierro lends casillas five thousand pesetas about 30 euros to get a taxi home and they they say their goodbyes and a few days later it comes out that casillas had pocketed the cash and got the metro home instead <laughs> <laughs> to uh some suburb of madrid about 40 like 40 minutes drive is a long way and he just kept the cash <laughs> wow yeah, yeah I, bet, I bet he still got it yeah i wouldn't have yeah. this is like a very well-known thing then among yeah apparently it was a running it. joke among among the squad more recently there was a a clip um of casillas was on a, a spanish tv show and he was driving with uh this spanish tv presenter called batan osborne and they're driving along the motorway and casillas asks batan for a euro for the motorway toll and Bertans are oh, sorry man, I, f- I forgot my wallet and Cassius is like all right well we're turning the car around then we'll go the back route <laughs> <laughs> Extra he wants to, yeah he wants to add like hours to their journey so through right. these winding winding uh um yeah, like, I'll just give you, you just pay i'll give you the euro back yeah he has to literally be like no, no i'll give it to you it's fine yeah, you give yeah. me a euro 10 Eventually. back <laughs> I think eventually he does convince him to to pay. Um, yeah, but he he just has this this quite funny reputation. But I think it's just so in contrast to the whole culture of Madrid at that at that moment. It's just everything's maybe, maybe excess. That, maybe that was the thing. He was, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's why he turned out like that because he was young at this point. He was coming up and just like all of this money flying around. He's like, this is this is insanity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the antidote. Somebody somebody's got to look after the coffers. Who are the, who are the like leading? members of the excess side there must be another crew who are um i think it's I everybody was... else yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like literally yeah. everyone yeah. roberto carlos is knocking around in this dressing room yeah. the man's a man that man's a lunatic is, is, how many how many children's roberto carlos got? 11 of them. 11 oh, that's yeah. pretty yeah. solid return you only get to that sort of total with a certain way of life yeah right? exactly <laughs> how many mothers excess. that's not one mother one poor it's no poor 11 woman. 11, it's 11, with seven, 11 kids yeah. with seven different seven yeah. yeah god yeah. Any of them, what, what's the deal there? Does he marry any of them? Or they just, I it's just I probably, I'm not sure. Know. Probably the whole range. Yeah, I think, I think he we, we went down all sorts of roads. Right. Um, I, I want to remember that figure because in this podcast, I'm sure we'll come across other people posting similar numbers and it would be good to keep track of who's top. <laughs> there's a, there's a 11 great, from seven. There's a great picture of him with all of his kids. At, I think it's Universal Studios in Florida, just like surrounded by kids. Yeah. <laughs> Father's Day. Yeah. Pretty intense Father's yeah. Day. <laughs> they all look pretty different. Um, another another homegrown hero from that era I wanted to talk about was Raul Bravo, who wasn't quite the stalwart in the Real Madrid team that Casillas became. I think he played something like 77 games for Madrid over six or seven seasons. Um, but the reason I've got him in here is that in 2019, he was arrested in Spain on charges of corruption, uh, money laundering and match fixing. And he actually spends a, he spends a night in jail. And the allegation from police is that he is the ringleader of this big Spanish match fixing organization that had rigged a number of games, I think in the 2017, 18 season. Uh, there was another story that he allegedly, um, threatened the president of Huesca and the Spanish side, uh, over a hundred grand debt. Interestingly, 
another one who got caught up in that scheme was uh, Andy Murray's doubles partner, Feliciano Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> things we didn't expect to be discussing yeah. today yeah. <laughs> caught up how what, he mean, was he was allegedly accused. involved he was in this uh, as well, yeah. yeah in this scheme which I, I were these charges proven no, so the, so the, yeah we should say that the, the charges didn't go anywhere okay um so he's innocent in the eyes of the law he's innocent and proven until proven guilty in my eyes at least right. <laughs> but there was a uh, a terrifying twist in that saga in January 2020 when a Serbian newspaper called Telegraph uh, alleged that Raul Bravo had hired a hitman to kill his former Olympiakos teammate Darko Kovacevic. Oh, I remember him, yeah. 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 So the story goes that Darko was uh, outside his house in Athens and a car pulled up. Someone got out with a gun and shot him and he survived, fortunately. But they alleged that Darko had found out about this match fixing scheme and in order to tie up the loose ends. Yeah. To, yeah to, <laughs> <laughs> that phrase came to you worryingly easily. Uh, I've, watched, I've watched way too much line of duty. <laughs> as long as it's just watching. <laughs> well, so, um, he, he, so they, so they said that, um, Raul Bravo had hired this hitman either to kill him or to scare him enough that he, wouldn't speak about the the match fixing. He never has um, to be fair. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, can we can we yeah. get in the quick disclaimer then that Raul Bravo denies all yeah, we should, yeah, we should say none that. of that's been proven. It's just a wild rumour from a Serbian newspaper. Yeah, the yeah. charges charges were like dropped quite quickly. Um, <laughs> Raul Bravo, yeah, it was a very weird time though. Olympi- he went to, to, to Olympiakos. I think he went to Leeds on loan yeah, briefly at one to, point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was a very strange, a very strange Look, he's a scary looking fella as well, Raul Bravo. I've yeah. got to say. It does he's look a... like the kind of guy who might hire a hitman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he looks yeah. like a hitman, to be honest. He looks like he might be the hitman. Yeah, yeah that, that's true. Um, but um, I, I think he was just part of the, this sort of nutty crew that mm. sort of rolled around doing whatever they wanted for the best part of five years. Mm. Um, but it, I mean, it got pretty out of hand. And then there was, there was one man that I, I'm excited to talk about him because. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So talking of, talking of. Uh, nutters rolling around in a crew the Real Madrid nut squad had a huge boost in 2002 when they signed Ronaldo Brazilian Ronaldo this is uh, from Inter Milan uh, for 45 million euros and this was a huge signing at the time he was at the top of his game he just won the World Cup with Brazil Uh, he was about to win his second Ballon d'Or so he was the top player. There's another punch in the nuts to Barcelona, who oh, he'd yeah. left. Exactly. Yeah, yeah of course. Italy yeah, 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 yeah. But alongside him being possibly the best player in the world, uh, he was also a real party animal. So already from during his time at Inter Milan, stories have come out. So Christian Vieri, uh, his teammate there, um, described them during the week when they had training the next day, going out clubbing until five or six in the morning. And then they'd they'd come home, and this is a quote from Vieri. He says that Ronaldo laid down and ate brioches and drank cappuccinos, and then they would just go to training. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not long before he picks up where he left off in Madrid. So he he really like tears up the tears up the Madrid partying scene. Interestingly, Ronaldo says that he only partied when Madrid won. But because Raul won every week, <laughs> it seemed excessive. <laughs> um, which, you know. Fair enough. I mean, you've got respect it. Judge me on my results. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There was a great story from uh, Ivan Halguera, 
defender from that period who remembered going to a birthday party at Ronaldo's house where where buses full of girls began to arrive. I was with my wife and we did, decided to leave, as did Figo. <laughs> you can just imagine these uh, these more sort of uptight players just like, oh my, is, oh my God, what is, what is going on here? Like midday the yeah, next day. Yeah, yeah. Is, is Figo a square away. then? I wondered that. Is he... uh, yeah, Figo's a massive square. Really? Yeah, 100%. 100%. He, um, he's just a very, just seems like a very sound, nice boy <laughs> who just made one really bad decision yeah. in the middle of, well, depending on how you look at it, but one very bad decision in terms of his reputation and image yeah. in the middle of his He career. pays for it, doesn't he? This is around the time he, he goes back to the New Camp for an away game and he's taking a corner and the fans shower him with like coins, glass bottles. Someone throws a pig's head yeah. onto the pitch. There are great photos of it. It's like it's probably the most hostile reception a player's ever had for a game. Would you say that it was it was a, it was a piglet's head? So I think it was small enough to get in your jacket. I honestly also think that if you just said to the Barcelona ground staff, "We're going to throw this at Luis Figo," they would have <laughs> yeah. been like, "They would have been like, yeah, fair enough, yeah, hundred yeah, percent." Where's the rest of the pig? <laughs> if I throw um, some coins, yeah, exactly. yeah, throw them too. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. All right, so Figo is weeping about his uh, loss of his his old fans, and he's a bit of a square. That's what we've learned. What, what else is going on? In, in uh, so, so back in Madrid, Ronaldo's really throwing himself into the into the party lifestyle. So it actually <laughs> reaches the point where Real Madrid assign him security guards to to follow him to try and stop his parties. Uh, but <laughs> Ronaldo says that um, sometimes the security guards just joined in. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just love the... Also, just so fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Same, just like you? back at Ronaldo's house, everyone's getting on it and you're just like, yeah, just like, come, yeah. On, come on, come yeah. on. Ronaldo's just like, oh, go on, go on, have a, have a caipirinha, <laughs> go on, let the, let the pretty girl shake up up in your face. Yeah. like, oh. So it reminds me okay. of that, that story about Ronaldo at, at United in his early days. I think it was with Nanny and maybe Anderson. And they were having an orgy with these girls and his driver was like, I think his driver needs to clock off and he needed him to pay him or something. And so in order to placate the driver, he just invited him into the orgy. (laughs) And there was quite an unkind quote from one of the girls about the driver describing him as quite hairy or something. (laughs) 
<laughs> he was fat and bald, I think. <laughs> I just horrible. love how Ronaldo's horrible. like, I know what will shut you up. Yeah. Stop beeping the horn and come in here. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to Brazilian Ronaldo. Yeah, so then, so um, Florentino Perez at one point confronts um, Ronaldo about the parties and he says, says to him, look at Figo. He stays at home with his wife. To which Ronaldo responds, Prezi, if I had a wife like Figo, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that's her looks and not because she gives him a lot of grief. <laughs> she's not I don't know, I can't, can't, can't say. <laughs> I mean, she is beautiful. She's, she's yeah, a, she's she's a, a Swedish, Swedish supermodel. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. I'd imagine that's exactly what Ronaldo meant for what it's worth. I don't <laughs> yeah, think yeah, he's yeah, talking yeah. about logistics in this situation. <laughs> yeah. Just so we're clear. But Ronaldo, Ronaldo was... He was out there enjoying the fruits of being a successful young footballer in Madrid. So there's a quote from Ronaldinho uh, describing Ronaldo. He says, he often had sex before games, but he was very passive during sex, not to get exhausted. <laughs> very professional. Highly professional. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Ronaldo, he actually had a, had a vasectomy in 2010 after finding out about another love child that he'd fathered with a... Uh, with a waitress, although he d- he did joke afterwards that he still has enough frozen sperm to make a football team. <laughs> <laughs> Roberto Carlos probably could have done a bit with a vasectomy as yeah. well, couldn't he? Yeah, probably exactly. still could use one. <laughs> Don't want him going the sort of Bernie Eccleston route, following yeah. him into his eighties. <laughs> <laughs> and so you mentioned him going to uh, Florentino Perez having a word. Is Perez? I mean, Perez is uh, he? You know, he 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 kind of likes a bit of this caper anyway, doesn't he? he? Likes a bit of playboy footballer. Is he sort of tolerating it because they're winning? I think so, yeah. And are they yeah. still winning? Also, they're yeah, tolerating him because they continue to be the front page. Yeah. You know, okay, but yeah. he is still, whilst he's like, okay, this maybe isn't the exact look I was going for, we are the talk of the town all the time. Everybody else pales in comparison to what we are doing. We are once again the biggest and most discussed football club in the world, which is what he set out to do. Yeah, And it was working on the pitch. Exactly, yeah. So, so that, it's double-double, right? Yeah, so that first season with Ronaldo, 2002-2003 season, they win La Liga they regain La Liga and that night the night that they seal the title I think they seal it on the final day and they go out afterwards very very Spanish style they have their team dinner at 2am um, but they so they go out to a nightclub at 5am and then at 9am they're leaving the club and Ronaldo is like alright everyone back to mine so they go back to Ronaldo's mansion I imagine uh, where he whips out the um, a smoke machine and they basically spend the next hours just drinking, partying. There was a quote from uh, Steve McManaman who described bodies lying all around the house drunk. Um, <laughs> is he kind of, is that a happy memory or is he sort I think of it's, I think riding it, it? Yeah, I think it sounded like a great party. When it goes into Monday morning, it's, yeah. uh, it's normally a goodie. <laughs> if you can't let loose after the final game of the season, when can you get loose? That, yeah, 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 that, that, that's fair it enough. for footballers. Fair play to them. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that bit. I'm very there's pro. Pl- there's plenty of this that I'm like, okay, I'm not 100% sure about that, but that bit, I'm absolutely yeah, fine yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but this, um, this party marks sort of a turning point in the Galactico era because um, actually 24 hours after they sealed the league title. Real Madrid sack Vicente del Bosque, the the manager. Twenty four hours after, so I mean, Ronaldo's he's probably still, he's still going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine if it's just the stragglers sitting around the kitchen table, like the following afternoon, just like looking at his phone. No one answered that. Nobody answered that phone. Fuck! It could be the dealer. So fuck! They've sacked him. No, no, I don't believe it. Oh, wait, bell your guy. Bell him again. 
laughing gas canister. But that marks the beginning of of an exodus. So 12 players leave Real Madrid that summer. The captain, Fernando Hierro, uh, Morientes as well, and Claude Makaleli. And they signed David Beckham. There was a a good quote from Zidane from that moment where he he talks about Makaleli leaving and them signing Beckham. And he says, why put another layer of gold paint on the Bentley when you're losing the entire engine? Mm. Um, and it was this, McAuley as well. When McAuley left, the entire thing just exactly. Fell apart. Yeah. It was like, okay, nobody could. Does, does he do go it. to Abramovich's Chelsea? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Shrewd. A yeah, new power was, is rising in the yeah. West. Like, <laughs> yeah. So this really was a turning point, and they they then appoint uh, Fabio Capello, the arch disciplinarian manager, who um, <laughs> who complains apparently that the dressing room reeked of alcohol from Ronaldo's party. Um, it's actually a funny, funny story behind this quote because um, Capello actually came out and said that it was Rude Van Nistelrooy who came to him and was like, boss, the dressing room reeks of alcohol, it's Ronaldo. And then Van Nistelrooy was like, what? What are you on about? I never said that. So Capello, I think, was alleging that Van Nistelrooy basically grasped Ronaldo up. Yeah, um, Van Nistelrooy was like, I want that spot in the number nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's the yeah. sort of thing he would stitches do. Stitches get stitches. Yeah, so I don't know, like but Van it's also yeah, me neither. I don't know. It's also the kind of thing Fabio Capello would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make up the story. I don't think anyone's clean here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And after Capello, they have this series of pretty shit coaches. To be honest, they have Carlos Carlos Quiros. Carlos I forgot Carlos that. Has he just what gone straight we? from being Fergie's number two at Man United to being Real Madrid boss? Yeah, I think, I think so. so. Yeah, he, he, well, he had, Iran, he had, he had a, a, a weird spell of stints, like weird in career. very bizarre places. Yeah. But he was an interesting bloke, and mm, mm. um, not a great manager, but an interesting no, bloke. Yeah, so they have him, and they have another one who I have to say I've never heard of: Juan Ramon Lopez Caro, uh, <laughs> and then Vandali Luxembourgo. You might remember from our Ronaldinho episode; he was the coach that jokes about Ronaldinho's sex tape. I say sex tape the video of Ronaldinho wanking that <laughs> came, came out. And uh, in a press conference a couple of days later, Vanderly Luxembourg was joking with the press. He said, the only thing I can do is get out of the way before this blows. <laughs> Whatever. <I was> like, <laughs> and then he says, let me ask a question for you. Who saw the video of Ronaldinho? How big? <laughs> That's um, his manager. Yeah, he is very uh, cool. Post 2003, uh, they, they have this spell where they, they don't really win anything. 2003 is the summer that Real Madrid signed David Beckham. Mm -hmm. One of the big transfers of the era. Beckham, if you remember, he'd fallen out with Alex Ferguson. We'd had the boot incident. Yeah, so they got into an argument in the dressing room after a game and Fergie kicks a boot that smacks Beckham just under the eye. Yeah. And and all summer during there's transfer speculation. At one point, United and Barca announced that they've reached a deal and then it never happens. In the end, Real Madrid gazump them and they bring in Bex for 25 mil. Uh, Barca by Ronaldinho instead. Mm. So it's real uh, sliding doors moment. And immediately uh, Perez gets his wish because Real sell Beckham shirts like hotcakes. Yeah. They're flying mm. off the shelves. This is the era where football clubs are starting to make money in Asia. They go on a tour in Asia and they're just like swamped by adoring fans. Everyone's obsessed it's with like Beckham. the Beatles, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like the Beatles. The slightly less glamorous side is that Bex moves to Madrid on his own. He leaves Posh Spice behind. With the lads. Yeah, with, well, she's, I think she's working on her solo career. I think she's like recording tracks with Dane Bowers at the time. A few bangers, in my opinion, out of my mind, if anyone remembers that song. Um, unfortunately, this does prove to be a bit of a miscalculation because Bex is on his own in Madrid 
and uh, as as a as a friend will later tell the news of the world, he's been going weeks without sex, trying to stay faithful to Posh, but something had to give. It's not a very loyal friend, whoever that friend is, who spoke to the news of the world. Michael Owen. They didn't even know he was having a conversation. And so Beckham, midway through his first season, becomes aware that the news of the world are working on this big story. And in April 2004, they publish the news that Beckham has been cheating on Posh Spice with Rebecca Luce. And this, this has long been regarded as the biggest scoop in tabloid journalism. Can you catch Beckham cheating because there's all these rumours and the news of the world do consecutive weeks first they reveal that he's been sleeping with Rebecca Luce who's uh, been working as his personal assistant and then they also reveal that he's been sleeping with this woman Sarah Marbeck who's a sort of sometime escort the Beckham story apparently takes six months they install Rebecca Luce in Australia they take her there and they install her in a in a villa just her and this journalist Neville Thurlbeck who I, I've talked to about this story and he said they spent six months together just him and her in this villa which to be a fly on the wall for mm. that. Anyway, they, they're, they're desperate. Incredibly seedy and yeah. quite weird. Well, I mean, it's the news of the world. Yeah, it's pretty seedy point, stuff. Yeah. And they, they eventually find the smoking gun they need when she remembers she has this old mobile phone that has texts from Beckham on it. And they successfully prove that, that Bex, um, Bex was the one who sent the messages. They talk about all these like steamy texts and wild romps. I'd say actually like, I mean, it, it, nothing is super explosive. He's clearly been cheating. It's actually quite weird. Yeah, so Beckham, Beckham tells her that he wants to be her bar of soap in the shower. <laughs> Just, you know how he is? Like, he's sort of OCD with cleaning and stuff. So it's kind of fitting. And his, his texts that are supposed to be like really lurid are, will Tinkerbell wear her lingerie for Peter Pan? I mean, that's <laughs> a little bit creepy, oh, kind of childish, true. but also I think it's codename stuff. I, I would say in the pantheon of, of horrible sexting that we, you know some of which we've covered on this pod, it's pretty vanilla it's pretty low stuff. Down, yeah. yeah, yeah. But he is a dirty dog, and this obviously creates huge uproar, particularly in England. But mm. it goes around the world. It's a massive story, and so I, I think at this point, Bex is kind of at his lowest ebb. There's talk of Posh breaking up with him, and you know on the pitch things are going okay. I think he's looking to keep his head down. The last thing he needs that summer is the arrival of Michael Owen. Because <laughs> that's not going to cheer you up. <laughs> Your most boring teammate for the England yeah. team arriving. You're right, Surely though, if, things, if, things are, if, if things are going pretty off the rails yeah, and maybe wild, it's actually maybe the crutch like, he needs. All you need, you know, you need maybe is he's a, like, I'm just going to chill with Michael Owen because yeah. I know that nothing yeah. lurid is going to yeah, happen. I bet Posh Bice is delighted. <laughs> yeah. She's over the moon. What's the worst I could be doing is playing a bit of golf and reading English newspapers. <laughs> Too far, I'd love to hang around with Michael Owen. I think we'd have a really nice time. We just do, like, literally, as you say, we just play golf and, like, yeah. probably not chat that much. Yeah. We're like, this is really nice and quiet. I'll have yeah. a really good day. Eat digestive <laughs> biscuits. Yeah, I love all this stuff. I'm me. I'm so in, so <laughs> glasses of tap water. He does bring his wife and they live in a hotel and seemingly all he really does is play golf and drive to the airport because they sell English newspapers. <laughs> There's one other signing as part of this weird lurch to England that Florentino Perez commits to. And that is the most unexpected of all is Mr. Jonathan Woodgate. The same summer as Owen and within nine months of signing Beckham, they bring in Jonathan Woodgate, who'd been at Newcastle. I would say Jonathan Woodgate is class, but he is extremely injury prone and everyone knows this. So it's a weird side. He's also an absolute chaos merchant, right? So they've brought in one of the chaos merchants to, to end them all as if they were like, okay, what does this really need? This dressing room, Jonathan Woodgate. So I went to Durham and the, there's a bar, Jimmy Allen's where Johnny Woodgate used to frequent. And there is a drink named after what Jonathan Woodgate would order when he came into this bar. 
And the drink is three shots of vodka with a WKD as the mixer. He's a racket. Johnny Woodgate. He is a, a, a pure racket really? who's come into the, this chaos party. Um, but Johnny Woodgate's really nice. Didn't know that about him. Mega. So lovely guy, loves a sash. He'll fit right yeah. in. Exactly. He, I mean, he doesn't play for the first year because he arrives injured. They paid 13 mil for him, which is quite a lot back then. Doesn't play for a year. He finally gets his debut in 2005. Unfortunately, it doesn't quite go to plan. No. He, he scores an own goal in the first half and he gets sent off in the second. Mm. It's a disaster. And he only ever manages 14 games. There is a brief period where he's the first choice centre-back, I think for about a month. And <laughs> and one of the, the Madrid supporting papers says like he's established himself as the key leader. But then he gets injured again. And he's later voted the worst signing of the 21st century by marker readers. He gets 37% of the, of the votes cast. So it, it's considered a bit of a disaster. It's harsh. That I seems think. harsh. Well, I mean, he it was injured harsh for someone who was injured for almost their whole time there. But to be fair, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take too much notice of all these readers have to say because at one point they voted Luka Modric the worst signing in Real Madrid history. So <laughs> really, like, after his first season. Oh, so really? wow. yeah, I, I take it all with a yeah because they a wanted big, big slap of salt, mm. not even a pinch. Yeah, they were really angry about losing Ozil to yeah. you know, Arsenal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mugs. Mm. So that's that's the English era. I'd say none of them. The only one who really fares okay is Beckham, and he still only wins one bit of silverware, which is La Liga title in his final season. This is three years where Real are not winning anything, really. Uh, I think I think Beckham also wins a Super Cup, but we're not counting that. No. Owen, Owen doesn't win anything. He does okay. Woodgate, as, as discussed, a disaster. And, and the Beckham era, I mean, he does look really good if you watch those compilations, but I think a lot of it is punctuated by speculation about his private life, what he's up to. And yet it's a drought really until that final season, right? Yeah. So this is it's three years of just uninterrupted failure, really. No. By their standards. <laughs> by, by, by Madrid standards. And the midway through that final season, it kind of reaches a, a nadir. So Real get thrashed 6-1 uh, by Real Zaragoza in the semifinals of the Copa del Rey. Uh, and a, a week later, they go out of the Champions League to Arsenal. Um, and... A week later, uh, Florentino Perez resigns. This is February 2006, mid-season. Um, and as he resigns, he really fires these parting shots uh, where he essentially blames his star players and their egos for um, for the failure of his project. So he, this was his uh, statement that he made when he resigned. We have a squad of great players, but some of them think they have a guaranteed place and that they are the best. They are confused. I don't regret bringing the best players in the world to this club, but perhaps I wasn't able to make them understand the importance of their responsibilities. Maybe I have educated them badly. Okay, well, we'll pass verdicts on the year at the end, but are there any more sort of funny stories? Um, yeah, so, so yeah, like you said, um, Perez swans back in in 2009 and he's still the Real Madrid president now. Uh, and while while we're on the subject of Perez, it would be remiss of me not to mention the story of a Miami sex party um, that was thrown for Florentino Perez and AC Milan chief Adriano Galliano by a a Kazakh businessman called Arif Arif. He's a, a man so sleazy they named him twice. Uh, and this party was organised by Arif Arif and a, and another football agent um, to convince um, Perez and or um, Galliano to sign Jeffrey Condogbia, the, the French defender. So there were texts from Arif Arif um, describing one of the girls that they hired for the party as 
paradise for the eyes, hell for the mind, and purgatory for the pockets. Which is <laughs> so good. Just that's, horrible. Well, really. That's quite a good description of the Galacticos era. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly purgatory true, for the pockets. True. Paradise yeah. for the eyes. <laughs> very true. Very true. It's so it's spot on, isn't it? Is. Yeah. Which is probably a good time to kind of wrap up, I guess, and pass it away of judgment. So what do you think? Was the uh, Galacticos era a success? Was it a failure? What do we make? I think Paris set out what, got what he set out to achieve. He restored Real Madrid to the pinnacle of world football. Not necessarily always on the pitch, but definitely restored their status as the prestige club in the world. He, you know, there is a reason that in 2009, when he is reelected, they're able to go on that ridiculous summer where they sign Cristiano Ronaldo, they sign Kaka, they sign well, it's over a couple of summers, but they sign Xabi Alonso. Players want to play for Real Madrid again. Whereas in the 90s, it did feel like there was an era where they were like, why would we sign for Real Madrid when Inter are so good, when Milan are so good, when Juventus are, are, are on the up? Um, I, I think he restored their place at the top of the Pantheon and that's never gone away since. And when we look at this Madrid that exists now or the Madrid that went and won the Decima or the three Champions League titles in a row or any of those things, I think all of that is forged in the kind of fires of this era. So I think it's a success. And although it comes with loads and loads of caveats of like not how not to run a football club, I think when you look at it is you're like, oh, he's just completely and utterly achieved what he went to achieve. And, and the success on the pitch was enough to sustain the kind of lifestyle of making them great again in inverted yeah. commas. <laughs> kind of, seems almost like a forerunner for the, the ideology that seems to drive a lot of football clubs today in terms of building their identity. It seems it, it matters more how many Instagram followers you have than it does if you win titles or... Yeah, or and also this like obsession with having a project. It's not just like, we want to win lots of titles now. It's like you need a vision and a project. Like everything's a fucking tech startup. I think this is sowing the seeds of it. It starts the war for the transfer window as well, doesn't it? Mm. Basically, like, you know, there are m people now who get, you know, you look at more as, who, who a club signs than actually what, they're, what they do on the pitch. You know, the name that they're signed. Uh, this all starts here. Like, Perez shepherded in the basically the social media age of football without even knowing it was about to explode. And here we are. So, the, the, like, personality cults around yeah, players. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, my verdict would be that it's a slam dunk win. I find it baffling so many people say it was a failure. They won a decent amount of silverware, and it's so fun. Like, the, the, the stars they sign are so much fun. They're such, like, amazing players to watch. You know, someone like Zidane. The style of football's, on the whole, pretty enjoyable. It's a little bit chaotic. The summer is fun. Like, it's suddenly the transfer window, as you say, is, like, an exciting part of the football calendar. I think it's so good for football. And I think like as someone who finds the analysis of kind of like the tactical purity of Italian football in the nineties, a little bit of a turnoff, even while I can appreciate it, you know, that like def defensive style sweepers. Yeah. I'm not that into that. This is like a breath of fresh air and it's chaotic and it's a little bit stupid and it, you know, leads to you fucking spending 13 million on Jonathan Woodgate, but oh, it's so much fun. I also think we're now seeing uh, a slightly different thing. And, and look, that Zidane Provence thing, it, it continues to, they still obviously want to sign Kylian Mbappe. They signed Julian Jude Bellingham this summer. But, you know, you've got these players coming through, working their way through. And they're, whilst they're not always, you know, the, the stalwarts of this team, 
it does feel like a, a far more Real Madrid flavor. They've also started picking up players younger. They've, they're they adapting to the situation. And watching PSG basically put their own project together and fail relatively miserably, again, you know, depending on how you're looking at it, is a reminder that it doesn't often work twice. You can get away with something like this maybe once, and then you have to build things now. And, it's and way make less more- charming now, isn't it? It's all like a bit impressive and data-driven and sensible and like it for me this is way more the sort of Real Madrid the villains that I hate it's all too competent well this is it because I, I would say that I probably fall naturally on the Barcelona side of the El Clasico divide just with the way that I, I see it but even I had a Real Madrid I had the black Siemens mobile Real Madrid 0 in 11 shirt growing up because I that was it right it was like it was like that was the thing to have and it was a really cool shirt and it had, they had really cool players and Michael Owen had just moved there and I had, couldn't wear a Liverpool shirt. I'm a Fulham fan. But suddenly he was in Spain. I was like, I can come with that. I can do that. And I was like, wicked. I can. So even then, so if someone who now would fall for, you know, on the Barcelona side, it was such a big thing to watch this Real Madrid side develop. And, and that's cool, right? That, that helped. I, I love European football now. All of that started in, in Spain and watching these kind of teams, all of this built off the back of that. And, then I fell in love with Valencia and off we went. <laughs> <laughs> Wild times. All right, I think that's all we've got time for. Yeah. So, Jack Collins, thank you very much. No, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Bro. I hope you will come back on very soon. I will always love to. Fantastic. And thanks, Zach. Thanks a lot. And thank you all. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.